Dr. Amy King, otherwise known as Dr. Amy, and this podcast is The Most Important Medicine. If you don't know me, I'm a licensed psychologist, trainer, and consultant, and on this podcast, we're here to discuss how talking about trauma and providing a space for physicians and healthcare professionals to share their experiences is how we will transform medicine. I work with physicians and healthcare organizations on the daily and every time we begin these conversations and I even hint at the discussion about trauma, I met with one of two things, either intense, compassionate curiosity or a whole lot of skepticism. And that's what we're here for, to make understanding and discussing trauma accessible and even more important, how we respond to trauma so that you feel more competent. Every time you join me on this podcast, I want you to hear practical information and leave with tangible tools that you can use with patients today. So I'm super excited today about my guest. Um, This is Lisa Springer. She is a nurse, yogi, and adoptee. She's been a nurse since 1992, working in oncology, hospice, and postpartum areas. She now works as a trauma-informed yoga teacher at Montanito Treatment Center with teens and young adults with eating disorders. She also has classes at local hospitals where she brings healing to the medical community. Lisa is also an adoptee. She was fascinated with bonding. After 20 years being a nurse, she took on the role of maternal mental health and became a trauma-informed yoga teacher who ultimately transitioned out of nursing during the pandemic. She's passionate about how trauma impacts healthcare providers and wants to help them find ways to create a therapeutic space with patients. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad you're here. Well, that's kind of your formal introduction. Um, Tell listeners a little bit more about who you are and how you came into this work. Um, I've always been really interested in yoga and I wanted to be a, th- I wanted to be a therapist, but I took the route of nursing because I had moved away from my home. And um, just the more I noticed that um, the trauma of my adoption started playing, I, as I was a postpartum nurse and seeing moms bonding, I started getting curious about that. And I, when I'd go to yoga, I'd feel these things. So I did um, take a trauma-informed yoga and it was there that I felt like I had come back in my body and I started learning like, oh, wow, I've been very dissociated throughout my life. And that that was about five years ago that this healing started. And I just, I became so passionate about it. And um, I found my biological family and so many things make sense. And as a nurse, I was always, Uh, I would always be like getting the anxious patients because I understood that. And I feel like I just have this beautiful gift from all of what happened to be able to hold space for people um, that experience anxiety and trauma. They might not even know that they have trauma like me. It took me 50 years, like because adoption was a blessing too, as well. So it's all a gift. And, <laughs> and and would you say that all of that started by being more in touch with your body through yoga? Yeah, I because before I would tell these stories of I I had some abuse in my history and I would I would not even shed a tear and then I would go to yoga and these it would just all these tears would fall and I would 
almost like, what is my body doing? And then I was, then I read about it and I'm like, my body is meant to take care of me and I can teach this to people. And I know so much about the body as a nurse. Mm -hmm. And then it became like, I can't hold this information back anymore. It's too powerful. Wow. You Mm -hmm. used the word dissociate a little bit ago. Um, would you describe for people in your words, what you mean when you say dissociate and, and why it feels protective at times? Um, I really struggled with dysthymia growing up and, and like, uh, there, and I've been in therapy a lot and I, and I, I had a great family and everything, but I think that in order to protect myself, I would just kind of space out and, um, not be because I was trying to figure out who I was, especially as a teenager, that identity stage. And um, the more I got to know my roots, then I would be like, yeah, I have these things. And yeah, that feels right. But I didn't have that um, mirror imaging. And I, I, I love my parents, but it's like, I didn't, I always did feel a little bit not and that whole adoption thing is a whole shocker too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, but it's, it's, I have even more love. Like it's so healthy to be able to talk about it and not have the shame of feeling like I'm going to hurt my parents. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. You're giving a lot of really good nuggets for people that might be working with a patient who's kind of describing, you know, to them that they feel sad or dysthymic, that they feel kind of checked out from their body or that they'll have these like physical symptoms come up like crying, you mentioned like crying in yoga, but they don't know where it's coming from. And what I'm always wanting physicians or or other providers to be thinking about is like, maybe that's trauma. Maybe there's something else going on. And for you, that was your body's way of acknowledging the trauma internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How, in your own words, um, Lisa, how would you define trauma? Trauma is anything that I believe that is, is not a normal occurrence and the body cannot adequately cope with it. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at it. And it's not, it's in, there's so much shame around the word trauma. I it's, it's like, even, even in the yoga field, like everything is a, a lot of them. It's like, let's talk about the light and the, the, but in the darkness is where I found the light. So it's like being able to approach it in a very soft and curious way with compassion. That's how I've like, instead of this dark gloomy thing, it's, actually brought to light and it's like that's where I find my identity is you know I wasn't I was born with light and all those things and I'm not my story you know wow (laughs) I, I, I want people to hear what you just said which is it was in the darkness that I found the light. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. so hard often like in and you practiced nursing for decades it's so hard for people to talk about trauma because there is so much shame and there's stigma around it. Um, If you put on your, your, your hat as a nurse, how might you begin that conversation with a patient or how might you ask them about trauma? Cause it's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually I could uh, like feel that something wasn't right. 
because I feel like growing up in a family that I wasn't biologically connected to, I had that of feeling my way around. And so I can, and I usually just, I really come in with a non-judgmental attitude. There's so much bias and I mean, we all have bias and I do it, but I was like, I need to check myself because I don't know these people. And, and I really, it's like when I gave the people the space to actually, and just my demeanor, the way that, you know, just even the breathing or just bringing down the energy, mm -hmm. um, it just, it, it, it could make a patient experience like night and day you know, it, it, and giving them the time that they need to, and looking at them and seeing them with eyes of compassion and not judgment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm kind of taking notes for folks, right? Entering into the space, being non-judgmental, breathing, being aware of the energy and trying to kind of bring the stress level down, um, giving them time, right? Versus having your hand on the door or rushing through notes, um, and you also just talked about a lot of like nonverbal cues, right? Just being present. I think you said compassionate eyes, right? Mm -hmm. um, people know the difference, don't they? Between warm eyes and cold eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like they, they say, people remember how you make them feel, not, you know, what you, what you, or talking down to someone, you know, it's like, it's so scary to be in a hospital mm -hmm. and just um just like basically just breathing with that patient <laughs> and seeing what they're come like they are the patient and I'm not like this dictator I'm there I'm honored to be in their space like so wow that's a really yeah. really mm -hmm. nice approach and you said you know coming into that space with non-judgment because I don't know what they're going through mm -hmm. um, what do people not not know right? Like, you know, you, you talked to me about going through COVID, um, mm -hmm. still going through COVID. If you're listening right now, it's September of 2022. We're still, you know, World Health Organization says we're still in a global pandemic. Um, what did people not see in you or in other fellow nurses? I think the thing that was really missed, which was so frustrating to me was but I still, I understand it, that there was so much fear that we, we didn't get the time to breathe. We didn't get to make adjustments for having a mask on our face all day. Like it was, it was like we were robots and not humans. Mm -hmm. And I think even a few minutes taking that time to just bring practitioners into that window of tolerance, like, you know, like, that's a whole nother topic, but, um, just like having that knowledge, it helped me so much through the pandemic, you know, just learning how to breathe and just hold space for room. And like, just the anxiety level was just too much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think it's worthy of, you know, I'm going to do like a quick uh, PSA for folks. <laughs> Um, there was actually a study that was done at the beginning of the pandemic um, through UCSF 
um, University of San Francisco. And what they found out was that when they went into ERs and worked with physicians and nurses around their PPE gear, if they could get them to get to a space, take off their masks and breathe for 90 seconds, not nine minutes, not, not five minutes, 90 seconds, it decreased their cortisol by 30%. And so, you know, I've heard you say several times now, being aware of the energy, breathing, that as nurses, you know, you were scared and you didn't have time to adjust to wearing masks all the time Mm -hmm. or just being able to breathe. But in actuality, there's been research done now that we have to give healthcare professionals time to do some deep breathing and it really does reduce their stress. So I just want to, I just want to put that out there. It's a really valid Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Um, What, what shifted you away from nursing and into this space of of yoga and trauma-informed work? Um, So I, we have what's, we have like different levels of nursing. So I, I was really connecting with the women who had postpartum depression. And um, so with that, I got a clinical three level job. And um, that that was all about the time that the pandemic happened. And I was working in support groups and teaching people how to breathe. And and that kind of all went by the wayside. And I just noticed um, we weren't taking that time and it's like everyone was being rushed out a day earlier. We were getting more patients. And it was kind of like this attitude of this is what we're called to do. This is what and I felt I I felt like it like being it was bullying myself mm-hmm. after a while. Cause I, I'm the type that will show up and work, work, work. And then it got to the point where I was actually overworking and I listened to your podcast and that was something it it actually made me feel good because a physician said that you overwork, overwork, and you're actually not as efficient. And my work was getting um, criticized, like, like little things. And I didn't feel safe. And I I've been there over 20 years and my body, I was so in tune with my body and my breathing, my body actually just like walked out. I just said, I took a leave of absence and that's a hard thing for me to do. I'm a, I'm like, I'm going to be in there and and caregiver, but it was probably the smartest thing I did. But, you know, then I jumped into hospice and overworked and then, and then I got COVID, (laughs) but I, I had to, you know, it's like, we all have to learn that the caregiver needs care. Oh, I mean, we can't overstate that, right? Um, This idea, um, I'm going to introduce a word that some people may not have heard of duality, right? Mm -hmm. I can be an incredible healthcare professional, a nurse, a physician, um, and also be someone who's tired, also feel overworked, also feel emotionally exhausted. And ultimately what you're talking about is this term that's being thrown around called moral distress, right? When it's like, what I think I should be doing as a nurse, what I think I should be doing for my patients, I'm not able to do because there's not enough resources. Like you said, patients are getting rushed around, discharged early, it doesn't feel safe. And this horrible feeling that we go into these professions as helpers, and now we're not able to do what we signed up to do. Mm-hmm. 
um, it creates huge amounts of, of distress. Um, so ultimately, you, you turned toward um, a space that provided you light. Mm -hmm. um, so are you a certified yoga instructor now? Yeah. Yeah. I've been teaching for like uh, during, it's kind of how my path took me and I didn't, I um, got trained in domestic violence and it just, I was seeing so many of these types of patients get, and the resources aren't there for them. And it was heartbreaking to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I just felt like ethically I needed to be a part of the solution. And I did work in a, I moved from California to Oregon because I needed more. I'm just more a calm person. I'm just, I just, it was too much go, go, go. And, you know, I ended up getting physically sick and stuff, but um, I worked in rehabs and doing um, restorative yoga and oh, these people were just like, wow, my breath is power. And it's like, I'm powerful and not seeing them as an addict, but a person. Wow. So you're talking about this um, goes across sectors of addiction, domestic violence. You're working in eating disorders now, right? Yeah. Um, just this idea of being more in tune with our body, right? Mm -hmm. Why would you say, um, and, and I'm a believer, but for, for people that are listening, why would you say that being in touch with our body, paying attention to our breath is an important part of being trauma-informed? Be, I, um, you know, so much, I would realize how much my, I was in my head because I was on the computer. I was always figuring out, but the quality of my breath is often the quality of my thoughts and how much better I can function. And I mean, I was a nurse for that. I seriously didn't know how to breathe. And I had to learn like slowly bring it in and just, and do that. With, and it gave me power to be able to do that with my patients. And then it's like, when you feel their energy go down too, it's like, ah, now we can, we got this and just staying in mindfulness, things like that. So powerful. I, I, I love what you just said. I wrote it down. The quality of my breath is the quality of my thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, was, I was talking with a, a, an EMDR therapist on an earlier episode, and she talked about the importance as professionals that we have to be grounded first mm -hmm. before we can ground our patients. And you're saying yes. And even before we can make decisions about mm -hmm. our, mm -hmm. just being able to slow down. I, 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 I hope somebody's listening and they hear that and they go, oh my gosh, I'm going to just try to slow down and do some deep breathing mm -hmm. in between the decisions I'm making. Right. I, I, yeah, yes. And so if you can't see uh, Lisa right now, because you're listening, but um, she has like one hand over her heart, one hand over her belly. That's one of my favorite ways to do deep mm -hmm. breathing, just to be centered with your body. Mm -hmm. I even have nurses and physicians that I work with who do uh, mindful breathing in between exam rooms, just mm -hmm. taking some, some soft steps instead of rushing into the next patient room, looking at the chart really fast, you know, whatever the case may be, just slowing down. And as they take steps, just taking deep breaths mm -hmm. and exhaling. So, oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> uh, so on this podcast, we, we talk about how 
trauma presents in patients and sometimes in um, healthcare providers. Um, what would you say is important for healthcare professionals to know about when it comes to recognizing trauma, right? That it might be overt, but it also might be really subtle. Um, I, it, it comes to mind this one patient that I just, uh, I just, this is right when I got into the yoga and she, I came into her room and everyone was saying that she was, and that's what, that she was, you know, she was crazy or insane, whatever the label was, because I think that they don't, that, that, that we're not, um, trained and it's intimidating and scary for us. But when I saw her rocking side to side, I'm like, she's regulating herself and, um, and her, um, partner was so awesome. And he's like, that's what she has to do to get grounded. And it's like, I could just give her that space. And, um, she didn't feel judged and then she could get herself to where she wanted to be. And it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So those, those kind of things. You may have been the only person in that room who saw her. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. yeah. So, so now in your work doing yoga in eating disorders, what does that look like? Um, we've just been virtual, but, um, and I just, instead of looking at their behavior, I just, um, I tell them when we get there that you've already done the hardest part by showing up and then just allow them to find their breath. And, and I just say, if we're all doing the same thing, then we're not in our bodies. And, and then just reminding them that we all, uh, we all have worth, but we're there for the same intention of getting healthy and that there isn't judgment. It's like, this is a magical sacred space where you could just be you and trying to, um, and, and I, and I keep reiterating that it is very scary to be there to show up. And like, I can't even imagine at that age, Instead of being like, oh, you know, like me judging them or feeling uncomfortable because they're not doing what I tell them to do. It's like, it's like role, it's like reversal. Like I, I have to dig deeper into my own trauma in order to hold space for them. It's, and it's such, I, I always just feel so lifted and they challenge me and I'm just like, and, and they're just like, I did that. <laughs> I think about like, you know, I've worked with eating disorders in the past and there's so much loss of control that happens. Mm-hmm. Right? Often they don't get to control what they're eating, when they're eating, how many therapy sessions. So you're giving them control back too mm-hmm. and helping them trust their bodies. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, I imagine transformative. You also mentioned just now you have to like work through your own trauma mm-hmm. present for them. Can you say a little bit more about how important that is for healthcare professionals to, to be doing that, their own internal work? Um, it's, I think if, if there's any, if I'm feeling any judgment or um, taking something personally, that a patient, I need to ask myself, why 
is this triggering me? Why, what's going on? Like, you know, instead of getting um, defensive or um, that there is, it's like, what do they say? If there's hysteria, there's his, there's a history in it. And I, you know, I just learned so much in yoga that is so beneficial for being a nurse and um, just being more compassionate with myself because nurses are, is, we're so hard on ourselves and it's just like, we don't have to be perfect. We, and just coming in softer and um, with ease and being curious and just, and it's like, we don't have to have all the answers and every patient is some, they teach us something about ourselves really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to recap for people, I, I, I appreciate so much things you're saying. First of all, asking yourselves as a professional, if I'm taking this personally, I'm probably getting triggered. What's getting triggered, mm-hmm. right? Um, having self-compassion. Um, I, I really think I'm, I'm completely with you on this, Lisa. I think especially physicians and nurses don't engage in self-care because they don't have self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Just the, the ability to say, um, I need help. I'm overwhelmed. It's okay to not know. Um, this feels really hard or scary for me. And once there's self-compassion, then it's like, of course I should take care of myself. Of course I should, you know, be more balanced and, you know, meet my needs because I have compassion for it. So I, I love that you're saying that. Um, and I, I really appreciate what you're saying about increasing your curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, say a little bit more about what that looks like. Um, so it's, so with the, when I believe that when you come, when you come to your mat, it's a time to come and balance yourself and it's not a time to be critical of yourself. And all of this took many, many years and I still fight my brain, but I'll, but, and, and it's, it's like, I'm living this experience right here, right now. And it's a lived experience through me. And it's not like, I can't do this perfect enough. I have to do this headstand. Nope, I'm gonna accept where I am today. And it's, I'm like, I think this is the way that we're supposed to be living. Cause a lot of my life I lived in survival mode. And if I, if I appear like I've got it all together then it's all good, you know? And then everything kind of fell apart. And I was like, okay, well, might as well try the yoga. (laughs) And it was so scary, 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 but so freeing. And I don't even feel like my work is work now. And I I do have more balance. So it's, it's very rewarding. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it sounds like you have found like your sweet spot in terms (laughs) of healing and doing it in a way that's, that's genuine to you and to your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you thought back um, to becoming a nurse, right? 1992, you'd been doing nursing for many, many years. And I think sometimes people in healthcare feel like this is what I do. This is what I've always done. How did you give yourself permission? Or maybe there was maybe there wasn't permission, maybe it was a must, I have to, to kind of shift out of that and, or, and explore other options. Um, it, it kind of, uh, it all fell apart because I was going through a divorce and 
So just leaving a, like a home of 25 years with a, a history of being adopted was so traumatic for me. And then being in COVID, my body was like, I'm out. <laughs> like it just, and I realized, but I was very hard on myself and I'm very lucky. I had good friends with me that were, because I, but I, it, I was a mess, truly a mess, but then it also felt so good to let go. Mm -hmm. And I thought I never take time off. I never like everything I tell my patients to do, I'm not doing. So, and it's like, I always thought I would retire doing this and I felt like a failure, but I'm like, no, this is just part of the journey. This is, and it's what, and it's more my, who I am. I, I'm not meant to be on a computer for 12 hours. It's, it just does not fit me. And I was struggling with that ethically. Like I couldn't spend time with my patients and it didn't feel good in my body. I, I never, yeah. I love that you're giving permission to that, right? So, because there's other people who will be listening to this and saying, you know, I feel like I've, I've been a nurse. I'm always going to be a nurse. This time I'm going to retire or for a physician or, you know, a radiologist or anybody in a, a, a psychologist, that there are lots of intersections of medicine and uh, other practices such as yoga for you that mm -hmm. you can embrace and still be a healthcare professional, still mm -hmm. be helping people heal. How, mm -hmm. how, how have you kind of found that new identity? Um, with a lot of trust. And I mean, I was a little obsessive. I was looking for jobs and finally I just had to, I had to say, I trust this path. And then things just started opening up and it's like, my faith got so much bigger and I'm like, I moving to Oregon was very grounding for me and with all the trees, like my mom, my mom passed away in January. So it was a lot of things. And I'm like, you know, I really feel held and supported and it's, it's really, um, I, I, w I don't think I would have survived in the hospital. It just, and I had to honor that without feeling like a failure. It, it's, it's okay to make mistakes. I think success is failing and failing is such a horrible word. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's okay. We're just human, you know, being loving to myself. But you've said several times, like it's something that you felt you had to listen to your body. Your body was telling you, you were crying during yoga. You, you know, you didn't want to be on a computer. You were, I mean, like there were so many signals, but do you feel like people in healthcare are taught to pay attention to their body? They are taught to, it's like, you signed up for this. We were told that you signed up for this. And I just thought this, this is, this is not therapeutic during a, during a pandemic for extended periods of time. And I, I had, I, it was so great because I had two um, colleagues come out to Oregon and we just had the best time and they went back so refreshed <laughs> and it's like, oh, let me show you the other side. Like, and just to like breathe and enjoy the nature and take, it's hard to do that when you're so hyper-focused on, I gotta, I gotta do this. I, and I'm very task oriented. And, you know, I felt like I was on a treadmill and it was, is that was the hardest part was because you feel like you're losing a part of your identity. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think, 
you're right. I, I, I don't think people are taught to pay attention to what's happening with their bodies. I don't think they're given permission to not just be producing. Um, mm -hmm. And there's this whole other part of is, you know, folks right now who are really struggling because mm -hmm. almost three years now of ignoring ourselves and what we're going through um, and continuing, like you said, to perform, right? You showed up, mm -hmm. you said this, this is what you have to do. And so just e even if someone's listening and just pausing and checking in with their body, right? Mm -hmm. and, you know, how, how do we know in our body if it doesn't feel okay? Like if, if you're not a kind of person that checks in with your body regularly, would you give us just like two or three tips about like, if this is my first time ever just like trying to take a deep breath and tune in, how would I know what's happening in my body? Um, for me, my, my sleep started being off. Um, and then taking a breath, it feels difficult. Mm -hmm. So just really meeting yourself where you're at, but, and then, you know what, I, for so many years, I'd go to work, like it was autopilot. And when I get to work, I would get teary eyed, like, mm. oh gosh, not again, not again, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I just thought this is a postpartum floor. This should not be a big deal. <laughs> yeah. This is a happy floor. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just want to reiterate sleep disturbance. Mm hmm tightness in your chest. And then this, what I would call like depersonalization, right? You're going to work, you're on autopilot, but it's like, you start crying because your body is saying this, this doesn't feel right to me. I, I worked with a physician and she said that she would drive to work on autopilot every day. And then when she got to the parking lot, she would have a panic attack mm. and she would force herself to go in and just put on her mask and, you know, she was having a panic attack underneath the mask. Mm -hmm. um, and just that feeling of like, I have to push through that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only two days a week, or it's only this, or it's only that. It's like, so then you feel less than because, yeah. 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 There's a lot of guilt in that. Mm -hmm. um, so what have you learned about how to take care of yourself? I learned that um, when I let go, that my breath is going to be there for me. My spine, my, my nervous system is going to hold me and my mind's going to be there. Like, I don't have to figure everything out all like, and to stay, like, try and stay in this present moment. And I do a lot of the hand over the heart and feeling my feet on the earth. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that's all that I teach the kids in recovery, that is, it's, I'm like, why did I never know? <laughs> you know, I mean, what you just said, right. Trusting that when I let go, my breath will be there for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's for some people a really big first step. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Um, okay. Ready for some rapid fire. Sure. Okay. <laughs> What's one thing that you think people get wrong about trauma informed work? That it's always dark and depressing and just, uh, yeah, Debbie Downer. Light. Yeah, that there's there light. Is, there is light. There's freedom in it. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. um, if you got to go back um, to young nurse Lisa, um, what would you tell her? I would tell her not to take it, take things so seriously. 
-hmm. and that you don't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, perfect. On that mm -hmm. note, I think often in healthcare, uh, people think that, you know, they're kind of intimidated by professionals. Um, can you share one thing that makes you a messy human? What's one thing that makes you perfectly imperfect? Oh, I can think of um, the uh, one, like a few coworkers that just so close to, because we work so many years. I mean, we go in the break room and we would just be laughing and singing and goofy as ever. And that's when my friends came out. That's what we did. And like, not, it, not all being about work, but it, you know, we, we stopped being able to get together and just be as humans but it, and not just nurses, you know? So. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Um, all right. Last one, hardest one. Uh, <laughs> it's 11 PM and you have a food craving. What do you reach for? Popsicles. <laughs> Popsicles. <laughs> Any particular flavor or brand? I like orange for some strange reason. I don't know why. And I like the, the no sugar ones. They're mm -hmm. so good. You know, it's so funny. Maybe you have insight into this because um, you do so much body work. But a lot of people, when I ask them about this 11 p.m. craving, it's something cold. It's ice cream. It's popsicles. I wonder uh -huh. what's happening, like if our brain's needing to reset somehow. But uh -huh. I feel like it's a reset. Like it's. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. That's great. Um, if people want to learn more about trauma-informed yoga, about that kind of work, do you have a favorite book or site or something that you refer people to? Um, I learned from Zabi Yamasaki and she, she um, started sexual trauma, transcending sexual trauma in all the UC schools throughout the United States. And she's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So we will get that information. We will link up uh, to it in the show notes. Um, Lisa, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. I, I just know that stories have the power to heal and that there's other people out there listening and may hear this and say, it's okay to do something different. It's okay to listen to your body. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. Well, that's it, friends. If you like what you're hearing in this space, I invite you to join us in the Provider Lounge, a learning collaborative to build resilience. It's an incredible group of physicians who meet monthly, get CME, and lean into conversations about trauma, resilience, and other tough topics. This is the most important medicine. Keep listening to other people's stories and let them transform you. And keep sharing your own, because your humanity will heal others. We'll talk soon.